And we're live. Welcome <laughs> to another episode of the podcast. I'm on the road. I'm in a truck. Um, I'm hoping this is not going to turn into a giant cluster. Um, I, I, I'm, not, to, I'm not in a truck. I'm at home. You ought to see this this contraption of toolboxes and clipboards that I've got my iPad set up on. I'm having to use this stupid headset, so I don't even know what it's going to sound like, so y'all have to tell me. I've got my wife investigating. So she's supposed to tell me if it sounds like garbage or not. Sounds so, good to uh, me. In my ear, you sound good, but we never know what it would sound like out there to the general public. But yeah. Um, so yeah, fun. it's uh, I'm going to be driving trucks this week, and uh, I wanted to take a truck out and kind of shake it down. Um, you know, I I found that I can hear, smell, and see things that other people can't, and so I'm already running an interesting list on this truck uh and i've only drove it 100 miles uh i mean it's structurally sound it's safe all that just you know i i'm 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 encountering things and i'm going okay but you would think a driver would tell me that you know um i found duct tape on the hood that was awesome i'm getting fuel and i'm like why is there duct tape on the hood and i've and a and a, a bolt has broken on the on the mirror brackets, got the little tripod mirrors. And I'm thinking you couldn't say, Hey man, this is, I mean, just, no, let me put duct tape on it. And then I'll just not ever say that it happened. And I don't know. Uh, so I'm taking the truck out. I'm going to run. I've got, uh, I'm at the shipper right now. My preloaded trailer is supposed to be ready at eight o'clock in the morning. And I, my first stop's 823 miles away Tuesday morning. So I'm going to be boot scooting boogieing tomorrow, um, provided that they've got this trailer ready. I found it. There's a bunch of freight on it. I can't imagine there's anything else to put on it. So, uh, but the place is a ghost town. So anyway, this is going to be interesting. I'll be out. I haven't drove. I haven't hauled a load since August of 21. And it was for this shipper. Um, so this will be interesting. I think I'm, uh, well, I'm, you know, you need to, to keep your credibility up with our drivers. You need to be able to go out there and show that you can do what you say you do, you know, lead by yeah. example. All right. Yeah. So, oh, there's going to be lots of that. I promise you. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, well, you know, something interesting uh, that will happen tomorrow, December 12th, uh, will be 1000 days since 15 days to slow the spread started. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting milestone that we've come up on. Uh, flatten the curve, I think, was the flatten the curve. Yeah. Oh, well, they flattened it all right. They flattened all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think what so, would have flattened the curve if uh, Fauci's daddy had used two condoms instead of one. <laughs> that would have flattened the uh, curve, okay? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> does Larry have a full glass of bourbon tonight? I don't have any bourbon tonight. I'm, uh, I don't know. If, I don't think I told you guys, but, uh, since the last time we've talked, I've, I came down with COVID. So, um, I'm kind of uh, on the mend here. Um, last couple of days I've gotten, I've gotten a lot better, but man, this thing has kicked my ass. I don't, I don't, do I sound normal to you, Chris, my voice? Normal, you, normal? you sound, you sound a touch raspy. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, we, we had, I don't know what it was. We don't test. We didn't test for COVID, but you know, my daughter had it. My son had it. I had it. You know, I had it during an orientation weekend. That was a barrel of fun. 
Yeah. Uh, lost yeah. my voice. Tried to do a podcast with no voice. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I, you know, I, 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 I feel better. I, I, I feel better than I sound, I'm sure. But uh, I'm on, I'm on, uh, well, I was on some, what was the, what was the antiviral, Chris? What was it called? Paxlovid. Paxlovid. I tell you what, I did, I did four rounds of that. Okay. And that's the most God awful tasting stuff. It leaves this taste in your mouth that doesn't go away. It like, it took like two days before it would go away. It was that's horrible. That that's the nanobots that they put in there to take over your brain to make you vote Democrat. Yeah, you know, well, so we'll uh, see how when, that works for him. When he when he starts <laughs> singing the praises of Joe Biden, we'll know that it worked. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not. Listen, I, I well, I'm, I'm not going to say that. Anyway, yeah, so let's not now, dig the hole any deeper. Yeah, let's not. And so now I'm on. Uh, I've, uh, they they think I got a secondary bacterial infection because I've kind of got more like bronchitis now than. I'm, in COVID symptoms. And so, and I get bronchitis. Usually I get bronchitis after the truck show. Normally that's the thing I get when I get home from the truck show. And, um, the party but gift, but this has been a, a one on literally on steroids, literally. So, uh, so I'm, am on an anti, uh, bacterial now and also a steroids. So I think the steroids probably what's, what's given me, um, a sterile to make you a brand new man. Yeah, uh, it, it's uh, it's, it's I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling much better, but um, glad to glad to see you out uh, out uh, earning your keep uh, this week. So it's yeah. been it's 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 been good to have you out there showing everybody how it's done. So um, been an interesting week. Uh, we're you know we're reaching a lot of people that we don't normally reach, and you could tell. Mm-hmm. Because, and you do most of it. I don't, I don't, for, thankfully you don't involve me in this too much, but um, I know you have to reply. I've seen a couple of your, your responses to people. And um, I'm not saying that you're really, really nice about the responses. You're pretty firm, a matter of fact, but even then you show so much more patience than I would, you know. Um, there, listen, there's been more than one video that's been recorded a couple of times. Like, cause okay. I'll, I'll record the first one and be like, Oh no, see, now nah, I can't, I can't push that. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. I had to send one to Phil today. I'm like, you better, you, uh, you, you probably ought to re- uh, watch this before I post it. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, yeah. Well, um, but what I was going to say is that we, we, we kind of have a problem because people only hear these little snippets these little 30 second or 60 second or whatever and they make a lot of assumptions you know they because they don't know the background they don't know the foundation they don't know you know and and the thing that we say over and over and over and over again because you know we had a lot of guys this week try to defend their choice to be having their own authority as opposed to being at landstar that seems to be one of the favorites is that you know why would you give them you know you know how to And, um, but, but the, the part that they consistently don't, don't realize or don't know is that number one, we're not recruiting for people to come to Landstar. I hope you don't come to Landstar. Okay. Um, and, but more importantly, we're, we're not trying to change the way people who are, who are successful in doing what they do, how they do it. We're trying to give people who are starting out for the first time an option an option that will minimize the risk that most people don't 
avoid and ends up putting them out of business in the first two years. You know, the, the statistics are there. We've said them over and over and over again. But yet we, can, we constantly get misunderstood that, that we're trying to tell regular truckers who have been doing this for a long time, and maybe they've got money in the bank. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But th- th- I, th- the last thing I want to do is convince somebody that, that, that is running a, a successful business in whatever measure that may be to do what we do. It, that's not what we set out here to do. What we set out here to do is that if you're buying your first truck, and if you, you know, uh, are, are, are doing this owner-operated thing for the first time, there, are, there is a safer way to go about doing it. And that's right. that everything else is just secondary to that, you know. Um, you know, uh, it, it, I, I guess I'm, I'm appalled at how many people do not understand what Landstar is. And what Landstar's, what the opportunity is, you know. Um, well, and it's not just Landstar. All right. The contract that I had at Anderson was identical, except they paid 67, Landstar pays 65. Everything <laughs> else about the accessorial pay and how the insurances worked, I mean, it was so incredibly close. Landstar was a little cheaper on like the CPP. And a little cheaper on this and a little cheaper on that. But everything, it was almost identical. So what what frustrates me is that there is being an independent with your own authority and there's being leased to a carrier. Okay. They're not the same. No, not at all. And I mean, there's, 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 and, and that, that's the other part of their, of their argument is that their argument is, but Landstar takes this money like, like they don't have to spend any money to have their authority. Right. I mean, I watched one of your replies today. It was excellent. You know, the assumption was, well, you're giving all this money to Landstar and I have my own authority. Like you're not, you're not paying for a trailer. You're not factoring your right. load. You're not you know, paying a, an agent or a broker, um, you know, your, your, your insurance is free. You know, your fuel discount is, is bigger than, than a, a, a fleet card that has 11,000 users. I mean, all these things that, that it's like, it's like, I'm not paying that. Only people at Landstar do that. Right. And it's, uh, and it's just, it's, it just makes me nuts. Hey, before we get too far along, we need to acknowledge the fact that Pittsburgh power is our sponsor. Uh, they are paying for you guys to have our entertainment every week. Um, we, uh, we are stocking distributors of the max mileage fuel catalyst and the OPS products. We had a couple of you guys have ordered OPSs this week, as a matter of fact. So I uh, mm-hmm. appreciate that. We do have announcement. We're beta testing a new product and, and especially for you guys who are using the OPS and doing extended drains. If you've got a truck that's not using a lot of oil, you're probably going to end up having uh, lower base numbers than the sample wants you to have because you're not replenishing the, the, uh, the additive package by using makeup oil. So if you've got a truck that uses a gallon or two between all samples, it's not a problem. You're replenishing that anyway. But we have a truck that doesn't use any oil. And we just got the uh, sample back, and sure enough, the base is low on it. Well, base really is just um, Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> That's really all it is, okay? Uh, it's it just, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it, 
it, it, it's an acid fighter. Well, they have come out with a product called Base Boost, and we're testing it right now. And it's going to be an additive that you could put in after your oil sample if you haven't had to add oil and your base is low in your oil sample. And basically just bring the base number back up. Now, guys, there's a couple ways of doing this. You can drain a couple of gallons of oil out and put two more gallons in or so, and that'll freshen it up. If you want to go use a luber finer spin-on filter, it has base built into the filter. Uh, it's probably a very similar product, I'm guessing, to what we're doing with this. But um, but anyway, uh, this is just a product that you can use uh, to uh, to help get your base back up. Um, now, we'll say this, and I'm not going to say this in official capacity, but you guys, uh, maybe and maybe, maybe not, but Tom Bach, the long, long time uh, person at uh, OPS that uh, that uh, read all samples and, and called and gave you advice when your all samples came back that were maybe off a little bit. He passed away a few months ago. I, we talked about it on the show here. Uh, but they've got really nobody to take his place. Um, I got a phone call this week from one of the personnel there. And of course they're, they, you know, they're, they're CYA there. Okay. First thing they want you to do is dump the oil. That's the first thing they want you to do. And of course I challenged him a little bit and I said, Hey, how about I just drop two gallons out and uh, put some replenishment in? Well, that well, will probably work. But, and so talking to him, here's his background. He's a gasoline guy, not a diesel guy. Okay. He's more like, he's more of a racing guy. Well, racing guys, they go all the way every, you know, every 500 miles. So, um, I pushed back, uh, quite a bit, you know, uh, and it, I, I explained to him, I said, I, I don't know if you know who I am, but I'm the guy who's got 1.8. I couldn't, uh, before I got that out of my mouth, he says, Oh, I know who you are. <laughs> I said, well, then you won't, you know, that I'm not an advocate of throwing that oil away just because the base number's down. He goes, Oh, I, I know. He says, we, I, I know, I know full well. So I kind of said, well, well, hint, hint, week, week, why are you telling me to dump my oil? Well, that's the best thing you could do. And I'm like, well, that, let's just describe best. What does best necessarily mean? That's the easiest way for you to remove yourself from any type of blame. I get that. Um, but that's not, that violates several of the reasons and benefits of using the OPS with extended drain is not to do that. Um, so anyway, we had a difference philosophically and I invited him on the show and he politely turned, politely turned me down. <clears throat> and, um, and I said, well, you know, we just have to disagree here, agree to disagree that, um, I, you know, and, and I've been using your product since 2009. Okay. Um, I'm not used to people calling me and telling me to dump the oil because the base number is a point off, you know, and, um, but I, I don't, and he even admitted, he said, look, we passed this around. He said, nobody here wants to do this. He said, but somebody's got to do it. So we share them, pass them around. People call and that's what, and of course their stock answer is, Hey, uh, you're, this is high. He also told me my iron was high. I said, can I ask you a question? Do you know why the iron's high? Oh, I mean, you must be my, no, the iron's high because we're using the catalyst, your product. That makes the iron go up cumulatively. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So uh, again, I'm I'm not going to slam the our sponsor or our product the products because I love them and I loved them long before they were a sponsor. But if a guy from there calls you and tells you to dump your oil, I would uh, certainly ask a few questions. And um, 
and get on here and ask me next week, and I'll be happy to go over the sample with you. Uh, somebody did make a comment here. We are going to do a follow-up um, show about OPS. We've, we've, we've got a great presentation on why to use it and what it does for you. We need to have one about after you put it on, what do you do next? How do you maximize and how do you, how do you get the best benefit? So we are going to do one of those and we may be able to do it while we're, we're going to lock ourselves up in a room in West Virginia, uh, the week between Christmas and new Year's. So, uh, the idea here is we're going to get some of this work done that we keep kicking the can down the road, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to come up with something that will help you with that a little bit. So the short answer on understanding all samples is that they're not all that complicated. You know, you've got severity levels, you've got green, yellow, and red, um, you know, and they put information in there that, that from the lab that says, you know, you should do this or you should do that, or you should look for this or look for that. Um, so they're not super complicated to understand where they, where they are. Their most valuable is helping you find problems before they show up like a head gasket or a leaking injector or a fuel pump seal and you're getting too much fuel in the oil or you're getting uh too much dirt or too much uh the, 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 the two most important things on there are the fuel um intrusion and the uh, uh coolant intrusion yeah uh, maybe soot maybe soot you know there, there's some things on there that are very important that are symptomatic of another problem and you're getting a very, very early warning of that. If you're, if you're doing what we recommend and sampling every 25,000 miles, if you have a problem that's come up, it is less than 25,000 miles old. Now, before, if you weren't doing oil samples, you didn't have any idea when the fuel dilution had started happening until it got so bad that it uh, combusted and uh, sent a rod through the side of the block. You could so, do it like old <clears throat> vice grip garage does. He pulls the, stick out and puts it on his tongue yeah 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 right. that's a that's a that's that, kind of like gas it's kind of like the guy's taking a hammer around and checking his tires okay <laughs> <laughs> that's a very very accurate way of doing it so it's uh it is a um it is a, a very very good tool to give you early warnings of potential catastrophic problems now there's a lot of stuff on there that's good information but it's not it's not going to give you you know, uh, it's not catastrophic, you know, it's, it's supporting. When um, you buy the kit from us, um, it, it comes with the sample bottles and the mailing labels that you send it off to Polaris labs. So everything comes, you know, when you get it, you get filters, you get bottles, you get lab forms, everything comes and it's all inclusive. And then you set up your account with Polaris and you send off your oil sample in a timely fashion. By the way, don't yeah. lay it on the dash for a week. And before you send it, it starts to degrade. And then what, <laughs> four or five days, you'll get an email with a report. Well, if email, if it's normal, if it's abnormal, you'll get a phone call in about 24 hours. Okay. So um, now I will tell you this, Polaris is a big outfit. Okay. And they have their own seminars and whatnot. You can actually sign up and they will, you know, they will teach you you know, a lot about reading samples, you know, it's probably a lot more in depth than what you want to, you know, as well as deals where you probably get glassy eyed after five minutes, because you're talking about these guys that are literally scientists, you know, uh, not, not diesel mechanics, you know, um, and we always have to trust the science. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Um, but anyway, it's, um, it's, it, it's something that, uh, I mean, look, it, it, it has saved us many a motor because, you know, you find out that you're dumping fuel in a motor and you don't know where or how, you know, and then, or coolant, you know, um, so it's, uh, there's, I mean, it, it, there's so many benefits and then, and, and this is just one of them is having an idea. It's like having a, a blood test, you know, out of your motor, you know, it, it, and you're getting it every 25,000 miles and, and you, you've got the history of that. I mean, every time you get a sample, it's got the previous, uh, samples, you know, on there. I mean, look, the one we did, the one we have from my truck, that's, you know, I think it's like a, how many samples are on there, Chris? Like 40 or something or 70? Or uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah they're all of. there. You know, you see every one of them historically, you know, so it's, you've got that information there. So anyway, we'll do, we'll do a follow-up on that and it'll just be dedicated to OP. It won't be inside of another podcast. It'll, it'll be a, um, um, you know, just standalone. So yes, I still have the 1.8 million mile truck. It's not on the road right now because it was, wrecked about a year ago and we haven't really fixed it. We've bought a cab. We're going to, we are going to put it back on the road, um, but it still runs and it just doesn't look very pretty right now. But um, some other things you guys have, do we run the fast? We, 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 re- we, we do have a, we, I, I had a fast on my truck. Um, we recommend the fast for people who are driving their own trucks. I don't necessarily recommend it for a truck that you're putting a driver in because it's pretty high maintenance and it'll put you on the side of the road pretty quickly if you don't stay on top of it. And so, um, it is definitely a good product. Uh, it's probably the reason why I still have the original injectors in a truck with like 1.8 million miles on it. I'm sure that's the reason why. But again, if it's, if you're putting a driver in that truck, that's not an easily maintained product. Uh, it requires a lot of, um, not necessarily maintenance, but awareness. attention. Attention. It, re- it requires monitoring, and also requires uh, thinking ahead because those filters aren't always readily available. And if you get out there and you don't have any, and you're on the side of the road because they're clogged up, when, and uh, there you are. So yeah. um, it requires somebody that that will stay on top of their inventory and keep some filters in the truck with them as they go. Uh, the last thing you want to do is put in replacement filters that are not the right micron in that system because you're defeating the whole purpose of it. Uh, that whole system is just like the OPS. It's filtering that fuel down to very, very tiny microns. So you don't want to change it out with a, cause a, 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 a parts guy will change that filter number over and they'll look the same. They'll mount up, but it'll be mm-hmm. 30 microns instead of 10 microns. And you won't have any idea that you're doing that. So, um, you want to buy my 1.8 million mile truck? Well, uh, send me an email. Listen, everything I have for sale except my wife. And I just don't want to give anybody a bad deal. So, um, but everything else is, uh, is on the table. Okay. So, um, that's recorded for posterity, by the way. That's all. That's going to be on the internet forever. She's heard it before. So, um, all right. So, um, you're on the road. We got. We want to talk about the reason you're on the road, or uh, we just want to. Well, I've got other things to talk about. But. The 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 main thing is there's this misconception among truck drivers that 
well, if I get a 2020, 21, 22, I'm not going to have maintenance problems. My truck's not going to break down. It's under warranty. Um, and then very quickly you will find um, that not only is that truck require maintenance, it, it requires f- specific maintenance, expensive maintenance, and it's only at the stewardship. But if you are going to buy a truck built between uh, 1922 and 2022, you must know how to maintain that truck and you must understand its systems. You need to understand the brakes. You need to understand the suspension. You need to understand the fuel system and the air system. And and you need to have this basic knowledge and understanding of how your truck operates. What we find, and we have all of the communication ability um, to... Uh, for someone to let us know that there's a problem with a truck. Um, And for some reason, they don't tell us. And I can't fix stuff that I don't know is wrong. And so, like I said, while this truck is sound and legal and safe, there's just silly stuff wrong with it that I don't understand why I wasn't told. Why, why didn't you tell me that this was broke or that was broke or, you know, I don't understand. We've never said, oh, we're not going to fix that. That's too expensive. I mean, I'll, I'll fix anything within reason, I guess. I'm not going to paint it, you know. Um, so I thought, all right, well, here's an opportunity. Uh, it's December. Things are slow. Um, I'm going to jump in this truck and I'm going to drive a different truck next week. Both are owned by Phil. Uh, and I'm just going to get, um, I'm going to get, I'm going to see what's real. And, um, I found that three of the four sets of drive tires are mounted incorrectly. Again, they're safe, but when you mount a set of drive tires and I'm not a tire guy, but you're supposed on duels, this truck has duels. Because feels a weirdo and doesn't like singles. You're supposed to mount the tires to where both of the um, valve stems are 180 degrees from each other. And three of the four sets of drive tires on this truck are mounted where they're not 180 degrees. Now, is that a big deal? Is that going to cause wear problems? No. Is it going to, is it a safety issue? No. But we use crossfires on this truck to keep the, um air in the tires equal and it looks stupid because one thing is all bent up and the other one's long and it's just i you know again i mentioned the mirror the fender mirrors broke why not tell me um so anyway i'm gonna take this truck out and shake it down and i will know within a couple of days any and everything little thing that's wrong with it uh and i'm gonna do it with another truck next week And then at least I can confidently put a driver in this truck knowing that I've done everything I can to prepare it to be safe, legal, efficient, uh, everything that it needs. Um, Now, I can't do this every week because I've got a fleet to run. Um, And so I've got double duty. I'm going to still have to watch over the fleet uh, while I drive about 2,200 miles or so. Um, So... That's why I'm on the road this week, and um, 
you know, and, and it gives me an opportunity now with TikTok and YouTube to make some more content um, and make some training stuff for our drivers because it's one thing for me to say it sitting behind my desk. And it's another thing for me to say it sitting from behind the steering wheel. So if I can do it, you can too. Well, and we're, we've got a new class starting in January. And so Chris has taken this opportunity while we have some trucks that don't have drivers in them right now to kind of make sure that we're, that we're ready for them and we're not giving them a truck. That's not, you know, it's not ready for them to go. So we're just trying to be efficient with our time. Um, so, um, the, um, the truck that you're driving, um, has been a very good fuel mileage truck. And at least with the last driver we've had in it, that truck has been almost eight miles a gallon. Uh, I think right now, if I look at the history on that truck, uh, I looked it up from, from the time the last driver got in it, which was October 12th. It was just under seven for that time period, but the 30 day was like seven, seven or something like that. Yeah. He's, well, last week it was seven ninety, and the 90 day seven forty five. So, um, that's not, uh, I mean, that's, that, that's certainly within our acceptable range. So, um, means that, you know, the truck is spec right. That if, if a driver can get that for, you know, for 90 days, uh, the drive, the truck's obviously capable of doing it. Um, mm-hmm. the, what we find interesting is we put, a, we take somebody in it, put them in a truck that has a history like this. And all of a sudden the fuel mileage falls down to, you know, six, six and a half or whatever, you know, and then we have to, um, we have to kind of find out why, you know, and of course you guys have listened to us know that we tell you that the driver is responsible for about 35% of the fuel mileage and, you know, the truck can be spec properly. Everything can be can be the best it can be. Uh, the truck can be mechanically sound, and still, if you drive it uh, poorly, then you're going to overcome um, all those modifications, and you're still going to ruin the fuel mileage on the truck. So, it's nice to know that that um, you know it used to be when Chris and I were driving, we could get in a truck and get about a mile per gallon more than everybody else. So we know the truck will do it. It's just a matter of teaching the driver then how, how to do it. And uh, that's part of what we do here. So <clears throat> I'm going to, I'm going to hit this one. Cause this one always fun. Uh, trucker three forty. Good night. I have a truck and flatbed trailer. I would like to lease on Landstar. My question to you, how long is the process to get signed up for orientation? We call it the gauntlet. <laughs> uh, now, right there. <laughs> now here's, here's the thing. Um, understand that the Landstar qualifications process is very linear. All right. They are going to do step one and then they're going to do step two. If you try to go to step three before you've got to step two, the axis of the universe begins to shake the, the, the foundation of their walls start to come apart. So if you will respond to them timely, I would recommend setting up a completely clean email before you put in the application, an email you've never used for anything else. And then that email is only for Landstar qualification. And the minute that thing pops up, give them what they want because they'll ask you for a set of documents and then you'll turn that in and then they'll come for the next thing and a defensive driving course and check into your hazmat and all that stuff. Um, But it can take 
four to six weeks. I mean, we can get a truck on in a couple of days, you know, but getting a driver qualified is the, are the people that you work for previously going to answer the phone or, you know, they've got to give them so many days. Uh, and that's all federal law stuff. Um, but you bet, you better be patient, uh, because it's, uh, um, it, it's a, a process, you know. You know, we we sometimes think that it's that way by design, you know, to, because if if you can't get through the process, you're not gonna make it. So this, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's really this way, but it's it's a good test of your um, your patience commitment. Uh, yeah, it's not easy. You know, it, it's gonna be a. Uh, and it's, and and the least little thing will cause it to go another week, you know, or another week. And so we do it all the time. We're pretty good. And the best I can do is about three weeks if everything falls in line, and the and and you don't miss an email by thirty seconds, you know. Um, but with two holidays coming up, major holidays coming up, um, that's going to extend it at least a week or two. Um, yeah. So, um, but don't give up. I mean, it's, it's, you know, here's the thing, the best thing you can do at Landstar, stay where you are. Okay. If you've got a decent job and you're making money, don't quit, just stay there. And yep. now remember, you're going to have to quit before you can get actually qualified. And that's where the frustration comes in because I like for people to quit on Friday and be at orientation on Monday. That ain't never going to happen. Okay. The best going to happen is you might quit on Friday and get to orientation on Wednesday, but more than likely you're going to quit on Friday and get to orientation the following week. So you're Well, and if they're a BCO, it's only going to be Monday because unless they're Express America, because they do, or at least in Indy, no, that's I don't know about that. That's just an Indy. All, oh, okay. That's not anywhere but Indy. So, uh, so it's a two day cycle, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, Thursday. And, um, uh, but, um, uh, but anyway, it, it just the best thing to do is just stay where you are. Let this process work its way out, and then when you're all done, you'll have to quit. You're going to lose a week, and you're going to have to drive to wherever the nearest orientation center is. But but look, let me explain something to you. If that trips you up, you don't want to come here, okay? Because that's just a small sampling of the problem solving you're going to have to learn how to do uh, to be a successful land star. And um, so guys who get all freaked out about the orientation process, again, like I say, it's not officially designed to do that. But if that, if that troubles you and you have that, that, that makes you stay up at night and you want to get on Facebook and complain about something, I recommend you just stay where you are uh, <laughs> or go to, go to Mercer. They'll take you in a week. So, um, but uh, anyway, that's just. And the, the best advice that we can give <clears throat> is if you get in Landstar Facebook groups, just make that read only. Don't don't engage. Yeah. Just go in there and read. I uh, do that. I you can that. learn a lot about what not to do um, from the Facebook groups. Um, but, uh, you know, God almighty. Uh, <clears throat> let me answer this one. Cookie V. What do you guys use to combat idling in cold weather? Um, nine, nine millimeter. <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, this truck has a bunk heater. I don't know if it works. I'm fixing to find out. Um, now I, I am comfortable down to 20 degrees to sleep with the truck off. That's just me. Um, 
I so he, actually. Well, he's not. He's not comfortable at seventy degrees with the truck no, off. By the way, no, okay. nope, nope. <laughs> um, I can put on enough uh, clothes and comforters to stay warm. That does not work uh, above seventy-five and humid. Uh, now, I actually hooked up a redneck. Uh, remote start in my truck that I could, I had a, a switch back here in the back. And so I would set two alarms, one alarm 30 minutes before I needed to get back, get up and I could reach out from under the covers and start the truck. And in 30 minutes, the heat would be on. Um, and so that was, that was my APU. I just had the hillbilly remote start. We put bunk heaters in the trucks, which is now up to what that guy say it was to install one. You say 1800. Yeah, $1,800. It used to be 1000 didn't it? Yeah. Um, so they've gone up in price quite a bit. Hopefully, they'll come down with everything else. Um, but It's, not, it's you know, not hard to justify a bunk heater. It's a little harder to justify an APU with 8500 bucks. But a bunk heater, $1,800, $2,000, you know, that's not hard to – there's the, the – um, you know, you're going to spend 40 bucks a night idling a truck, all right? Uh, up to 40, up to 60, depends on if you idle for 10 hours or if you idle only while you sleep. Um, so 40 bucks a night, you know, five nights a week or six nights a week, you know, it, the, the math's pretty easy to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I would, I would, a, a diesel fired bunk heater, uh, it, it's a, by, by all means will pay for itself quickly. Yeah. Uh, and the maintenance isn't how, hand, um... no, not now every couple of years you have to put a, uh, what's it called? A uh, it's like a glow plug. Uh, glow plug, yeah, 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 kind of thing. But they're not—they're not very uh, expensive to, to maintain. As a matter of fact, you can get those on eBay or on from Amazon and do it yourself. So yeah, I've I've fixed a couple of them. Yeah. I installed one. It it wasn't all that hard. It took me three or four hours. I did it in a truck stop parking lot. The hardest part um, about it is just tapping the fuel line and to get the to get the fuel. I mean, that's the hardest part about it. Yeah, so, you have to drill the fuel tank and. That's yeah. a little bit of a challenge, but, yeah. um, yeah, I, I hate APUs. Um, I mean, we've had a couple of them, um, and they just never work right. And, and the down maintenance on them is, uh, well, if you go to the Thermo King, I mean, Carl, Carl can fix them, uh, relatively inexpensively. Um, but, uh, God, go to the Thermo, you think a deal, the Freightliner deal is bad. Go to a Thermo King dealer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because uh, here's why. They're used to reefers. I mean, look, if you've got a load of groceries on the back of a, and, and that reefer goes bad, listen, it doesn't matter what it costs. It's cheaper than paying for that freight. So they have a very, very different view of their value than anybody <laughs> else because of how much that freight costs that you're getting ready to pay for because your reefer went out. Well, they're the same people that work on the APUs. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and if you want to go in there and throw your weight around, they're going to tell you that, first of all, that reefer comes before you. I don't care how long you've been there. If that reefer comes in, they're stopping what you're, what you're doing and they're working on the reefer and you're going to wait. <clears throat> so kind of like being in a motor home at a Detroit shop. Yeah. Okay? You've been in a Detroit shop and a motor home rolls in, everything stops because that freight, I mean, that labor is double. <clears throat> so speaking of value <clears throat> i had um trying to think of where this started oh it was a guy had made a response video to us and he and i are kind of going back in his comment section 
And I thought of this today because one of the criticisms that he had, and I've heard others say it, uh, that we say we don't hire truck drivers. You know, well, obviously we've got trucks. You've got to be able to learn that. You got to know how to drive a truck in order to do the job. But what we're talking about is the truck driver attitude, right? Mentality. mentality. The mentality and mentality and attitude. And, and so this came to me while I was talking to him and I said, look, imagine for a moment that you're not a truck driver, you're a homeowner or a landowner and you want to build a house. And so you call up the general contractor and he comes over and he says, okay, I'm going to, I can build you a house for $175 a square foot. Okay, great. My question is, who is his customer? The, the contractor, who's the customer? Is it you or is it his employees? Is it you or is it his subcontractors? Who's the customer? Who is that general contractor going to work to please? Is he going to please you? Is that who you want him to please? Or do you want him to come up and say, well, the market is 175 a square foot, but my employees say I have to charge $250 a square foot uh, because look, we bought all the tools and, and this is what we think we're worth. And so, you know, yeah, you can't sell this house for $250 a square foot. It's only worth 175, but we're going to charge you 250. You're ab- you're going to be like, absolutely not because you're the one paying the bill. Okay. Now let's go back to trucking for a minute. Who's paying the bill? The shipper. Why some of y'all or a bunch of y'all are so obsessed with the broker or the agent. And it's basically just cause it's the first person that you can identify and scream at. Uh, and you can blame all your problems on the intermediary that's between you and the person actually writing the check. So I, I, I called up a friend of mine who is a general contractor in West Virginia, and he builds those great big fancy houses. This old boy has installed bathrooms. that cost more than my house. They got okay? fancy houses in West Virginia. They do. Uh, it, and he, got, that's where they put the moon cut out on. The uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was, I, I was asking him this questions about pricing per square foot and this kind of stuff. And so, um, and he's kind of figured, he's like, why are you asking me these questions? And I said, well, I have this issue with truck drivers, you know, in, in the midst of, of the last two years, the rate shot up to $5 a mile and now they're coming down. And, and a lot of people with a $1,000 a week truck payment, they can't make it. And he was like, $1,000 a week? And I'm like, yeah. And I said, look, it, it's, it's crazy for drivers to think that they're the customer. You are not the customer. You are the service provider. Okay? So in the example of my friend, the general contractor, he's got to look at building material costs. He's got to look at labor costs. He's going to have uh, fixed and variable expenses to run his business. He needs to make a profit. And then he's going to make a mathematical computation based on market forces, uh, economic factors, price, which, God, I can't even imagine being a GC over the last two years with the way, you know, of course, you're in the middle of that, too, uh, getting ready to do some remodeling. You know, it it's insane uh, they, they've had the same thing that we've had with fuel. So why would you think as a service provider 
that you are the one that's going to dictate to your customer, well, I'm going to do it for this. Well, you certainly have that right and that freedom to say, all right, well, you know, I'm, I'm not doing it for, for X. But when I roll through Facebook groups, and it's not just Landstar, I see others, you know, um, well, I can't find any $5 a mile loads less than 20,000 pounds, so I'm going to go to the house. Um, okay. I don't, I don't, I mean, my, my BSE 9,000 is pretty good, but I don't know how that's going to work when you just say, well, it's not, the market is not artificially inflated double what it used to be. And so now I'm just going to refuse to work. And then by the way, I'm also going to blame all of, of everybody else. We can haul freight for a buck 35 and still make a profit. Right. Um, Buck fifty, we're making money. Buck sixty, we're making money. Buck seventy-five, we're making money. Two dollars, we're making money. But you are going to tell me that if I know my cost, and I know what the market is, and I know what the customer is willing to pay, um, and and I go out and and voluntarily engage in that in that freight contract, it's well, number one, it's none of your damn business. I don't I don't give a shit what you think. I'm going to go work with my customer and I'm going to do something that mutually benefits the both of us. Um, but we did a whole episode on this. What would happen if any other business was run the way trucking businesses are, you know, what would my friend, the general contractor, what would his business look like if he ran it like a truck driver? Well, number one, he wouldn't have one. Number one, he wouldn't, all those things you said he, he did was getting his equivalent to his cost per mile. Okay. Yep. So he knows what the, what the um, supplies cost. He knows what the labor costs. He knows what his profit margin needs to be. He has a number that he knows he has to be at to stay in business. Listen, half these guys that think they have to have $5 a mile probably don't have to have it anyway, but they, the problem is they don't have any idea what their cost right. for mile is. Okay. I saw one just the other day. Tell me about he all the, the other day went through all this month. Well, I think you're the one that sent me the video. Some cat on uh, YouTube was giving us all the cost for mile for, to have a truck at Landstar. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Except the driver costs. He did that. Well, hang on a minute. He did that in a second video, okay. right? Well, good now, for him. which, well, it, you would hate it because, well, kind of, because you went on, you railed against somebody at Landstar at one point said, you know, your household expenses. Right. Well, you've got to, you've got to figure your household expenses into your business expenses to know how much you have to have. Now, the way he did it was reasonable. He, he went and looked, okay, here's all my, and it was like 40 grand. He's like, here's my absolute minimum. It was like $40,000 to meet all of his obligations. So by the time he factored it all in, it was like, a buck 58 or buck 68 or something like that. And of course, anything above that would be his profit. So it wasn't terrible the way he did it, but that $975 a week truck payment that he's got made my head hurt a little bit. All right. Know. So let's say that his, when he factored in his home expenses, let's say he factored in there, um, 54 foot sport fisherman cruiser boat. He's got uh, a big problem. What if he factored in his Harley? What if he factored in, uh, you know, his, 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 his hobbies. Okay. So now the number that he has to have 
is far high, is far ahead, you know, more than what the current market will pay. And more important than that, that salary has to be quote reasonable to the IRS. Mm-hmm. Well, what's reasonable? Okay. Does is a does a normal truck driver have a fifty four foot sport fisherman and two Harleys? Okay. And a and a high price hooker? I mean, all these things they they you can't you can't analyze your business. You can't figure your cost per mile on on what your lifestyle is. That that doesn't work. That that doesn't make your business a failure. He will lose money, but you could go run that same business with those same numbers and make mm-hmm. a profit. So that's why that's a problem I have with that. Is it's yeah, it, it's his particular situation. But you're trying to pay, you're trying to find the cost per mile to factor what your co- what your uh, analytics are going to be to operate in the current market. Okay, so now you have to compare yourself to everybody else. The market will only pay so much. It's market driven. Okay, it doesn't matter the the customer, the shipper, the market. No one cares about your fifty four foot sport fisherman except you. You're not going to change anybody else's opinion of what they're going to pay you because you have this big ass boat behind your house. It's just not going to work that way. So that's the problem I have with it. So they do it one of two ways. They don't do it at all because they're, well, it's just me. Uh, I'm not a cost. I'll just, if I don't make any money, I won't make any money. Or they do this to where they've got to have this exorbitant thing because of their lifestyle and their business can't support that. So that's, that's my problem with it. So Right. Yeah, it's it, it's that makes sense. Yeah, it you your business has costs, right? And mm-hmm. um you you can't necessarily I mean obviously you have to know what your what it costs you to live, you know. But that doesn't really have anything to do. You can't go to the customer. Uh you can go to the customer and say, "All right, well, hey, listen, my fuel cost has done X." Right. And I'm going to have to I'm going to have to raise my rate, you know, to cover this additional fuel. Uh, But you can't go. Listen, I sold my old boat and got a new boat, so I need you to pay me more money. It doesn't work that way because they don't care. You know, the the other thing that. Fires me up when I see people um, and I guess let me let me preface this. I don't necessarily like brokers. But I don't necess- I don't like middle middleman and intermediaries. The closer you get me to the customer, the better off we're both going to be. I'm sitting on property right now where I have a still after seven or eight years have a relationship with the shipping supervisor. And that it, that that is much better for him and for me because I know that he knows when my name pops up, that I'm pulling one of his loads, his worries are gone. And I, I have that, you know, get me, get me to the customer. Direct relationships are always better. But the market is what the market is. The industry is what it is. We have these intermediaries. But, y'all, brokers on average make 15%, okay? They made 15% of $5. They're going to get 15% of $2, this lunacy, this nonsense idea that when the rates fall, 
The shipper's still writing the same check. Do you really think the shipper's that dumb? Do you really think the shipper is that clueless and has no idea what the market prices are and the market conditions are when they're writing these checks to haul these loads? They absolutely do because they're going to the broker and saying, find me a truck as cheap as possible. Well, there was a time not long ago, as cheap as possible was five bucks a mile. Well, now that everybody, it's, it's like truck drivers live in this, this loony world where they don't think that anybody else has any idea what's happening in the market or in the economy or in the world um, that has an effect on rates. And so, oh, well, the broker's taking all the money. Right, right. And the shipper is just this unhinged dipshit writing $5 a mile checks while the broker's paying $2 a mile and the broker's putting in their pocket. That's stupid. Don't be stupid end rent well um i mean it, it the, the the biggest problem we have is that for the most part truck drivers don't understand who decides what they're going to pay you know um you know it, it goes back to your contractor guy all right the, the guy who writes the check he gets to make the decisions all right yep you don't have to haul the freight and he doesn't have to pay you more than what he wants to pay. That's where the negotiation comes in. And the negotiation isn't the broker necessarily, you know, adding the, just to his part. Um, you know, that's again, that, 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 that varies with your relationship. If you have your authority, you're dealing with brokers, you know, that, it, it's, it's your ability to negotiate compared to theirs. Okay. It's you going to the pawn shop, Pawn Stars and Vegas, okay? And you, you're you going against somebody that does that every day for a living. Now, if you're not that good at it, you're probably not going to end up negotiating yourself a pretty good deal. But one of the advantages of the Landstar is we don't really have to do that, you know? Right. But that that relationship is, 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 is structured, you know? Uh, we had a, you, you, in my absence, you had a, a long a guy was an agent before Landstar was Landstar. And yet BCOs did not believe when he told him that he can't change the rate, that he can't make more than what Landstar says he's going to make, regardless of what the customer is willing to do. It, 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 the, the, the system does not work that way. And if he uses an outside carrier, he makes less than if it's a BCO, um, which is against everything we- everybody on Facebook says. We had, we did not have a broker on the show. We had an agent on the show, Landstar agent. And he said on that show, episode 132, he gets 8%. Yep. 8, not 25. And he gets less if, if he's forced to use an, a a contract carrier, an approved carrier, approved carrier, approved carrier, um, whatever the difference is between what the truck gets paid. And what the customer pays, Landstar takes 60% of that. So Landstar agents are disincentivized from using approved carriers because, you know, I could get a shipper paying $3,000 and pay the truck $500. Um, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, Landstar. And again, let's use this opportunity to say this. There's one freight bill, okay? 
the agents paid off that one freight bill, the BCOs paid off that one freight bill, and Landstar's paid off of that one freight bill. So there's no the eight money coming to the agent and the agent. Everybody's paid off of the same freight bill. So if the truck gets 65% of that rate and the agent gets 8% of that rate, and if you had your own trailer, they'll give you 7%, which tells me it doesn't cost them a penny more than 7% to maintain the trailer fleet. Um, that That's how the breakdown goes, you know. Um, well, the other thing, it, you know, th this this animosity, this this standard pushback against brokers for what they do, you know, I, I would challenge anybody that doesn't understand what they do to, to spend a couple of weeks trying to go convince somebody to give you a shot at their freight. OK, you, you know, you, the, the assumption is that the money that they make is not deserved by anybody. That that's just money that's taken off off of what you would get. Well, the problem with that is, how much time do you spend making phone calls and knocking on doors, trying to convince somebody to give you a shot at their freight, and then you get that shot and you turn it over to some BCO to go deliver it, and the BCO's late, won't communicate, takes a shit in his parking lot, on and on and on and on and on. So that's um, real, by the way, everybody. We, we tell that story because it happened. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's, you know, this, that, that's what we talk about. You know, the people who are, when we talk about the truck driver mentality, most of the time we're talking about someone who has an overvalued opinion of themselves because they think that if they don't deliver the freight that the system falls apart. Well, that may be true, but everybody else in the chain has the same effect. Try to get haul freight if you can't get loaded. Okay. Try to haul freight if you can't get the product made. You know, try to haul freight if you can't get a freight bill. Every one of these people have the same important role in the supply chain to make it happen. The truck driver is just one of several. It's hard to say that one is more important than the other because they're not. None of them can work without the other one. Now, you could go out here maybe and find yourself a direct customer. Okay, maybe. But there's a whole lot of work to do. And I was an agent for a couple of years. I know how hard it is. And I had no book of business. I went and knocked on doors and got my business. Okay. And, um, it's uh, it's some of the hardest work you'll ever do for very. It's a whole lot easier to haul freight that's already been sold. And all you got is back up to it and deliver it on time and get 65 percent of the money. than to go out here and, and buy a, a an industry d d directory that's this thick and go through there and make 50 to 100 phone calls, cold calls a day trying to get somebody to let you get the foot in the door to get a chance at bidding on their freight. Or putting on a coat and tie and going out and knocking on all the doors at every warehouse up and down the road where you live and see if they'll let you even in the door to talk to the person who makes that decision. You know, and all the time you're doing that, you're making Zippo. Okay. So it's be, it'd be one thing for people to understand how the other people, you know, every all truck drivers want to talk about how brokers and agents and dispatchers don't know anything about, about what truck drivers go to through. You can say the same thing about truck drivers to them. Okay. 
Most truck drivers have no clue what an agent or a broker goes through. Oh, it's easy. They just have to have, they can put on their pajamas and they can just do this and do that and do that. You know, I, I saw somebody the other day, uh, it was an agent at Landstar, and they said the first two or three, and I listen, I know this, the first two or three years you're an agent, you're, you work 24-7. Because even if you get the freight, you've got to monitor it. You've got to make sure that's being delivered. I was booking freight out of Mexico, standing in the hospital room with my father on his deathbed because I was a new agent, you know? And listen, both things were important, but I, I'm sitting there trying to do two things at once because you, you, you just can't not, you can't, uh, you can't ignore it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you, when I hear all these guys talking about how these agents have it made, they just get up and put pajamas on, they cut and paste a few things here. Yeah, there's a few of them that do it that way, but there's a whole lot more of them that don't. And that's where the freight comes from, um, is the, the hard work that these agents go through to put it on the load board and, uh, and give you a shot at it. So, anyway. This is one of my favorites. Um, a wise man once told me to never argue with idiots because they'll drag you down to the other level and, and beat you with experience where this nonsense comes from. And, and there's one word to describe Landstar loads are doubled and triple brokered. Anyway, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Okay. There's two ways that a Landstar, that a load gets on the Landstar board. Like he's talking about an agent goes out, knocks on doors, signs a contract, gets a direct customer like the one I'm sitting at right now. This agent came from Ohio down to West Virginia and signed this guy up for, I don't know, we got three or four runs out of here. Or you can get a load from C.H. Robinson or TQL or J.B. Hunt or whoever from a broker put it on our board, we sign the contract, that broker gets a piece, and then we haul it. We are a carrier, okay? Now, here's where the numbnuts that think it's double brokering, and it's not. If you are a single truck owner-operator, you can go straight to C.H. Robinson, you can go straight to TQL, you can come straight to Landstar and you can haul a load as that carrier. If you're an approved carrier with Landstar, you're on an equal footing with a BCO and a Landstar agent can put you on a CH Robinson load. Now, I don't know why you would do that. I, now, again, I'm speaking from inexperience here because I've never been a carrier with an authority and I've never been an approved carrier. But if I'm calling for a load on the Landstar board, why, do, why don't I just go to C.H. Robinson myself, right? That's not double brokering, period. Now, where it, I guess where it probably gets salty is like everything else in life. If everything goes well, everybody's happy. But if there's one problem, if a pickup number's wrong or a phone number's wrong or the shipper did something wrong or the receiver did something wrong, 
the first person in line is going to get blanked. And if that's Landstar, and especially if it's a Landstar agent that's not in the United States, then everybody's getting blamed and drugged through the mud over it. All right. But it look, y'all. I can't wait for this system to collapse and be replaced by blockchain and all this goes away because shippers will connect with trucks and all of this is, is, is a moot point. We're not there yet. Three to five years. I think the brokers will be gone and none of y'all still won't be happy. Well, here, here's what I see here. Okay. I mean, I see this Cobra or um, double brokering, triple brokering. It's, it's the exact same mentality as Landstar takes 35% of your money. Right. Okay, it's something that somebody it, it's it, it's 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 internet gobbledygook. Okay, mm-hmm. the people who say that first of all have no under no understanding of what the word co-brokering is, which co-brokering is not illegal, not immoral. It happens all the time. Okay, because if Schneider's out here and and they're and they're and they're selling and Schneider Brokerage is booking freight and they can't carry it. And they co-broker it out and somebody else carries it. That's legal. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody's getting a little piece of it. What, what these guys are really saying is that because this freight is quote, double and triple brokered, that money's coming off the driver. Okay. And that's just not the case. That's just not true. Okay. It's just, it, it, it's, it's just, it's, it, it sounds good. It, it's just like, well, why, why would you go to Landstar and give them 35% of your money? Well, it's because you don't understand how math works. And this is the right. exact same thing. And here's another thing. If you're at Landstar and you have a freight bill, I don't care if it's quadruple brokered. I'm getting paid by God what I agreed to take the load for the next Wednesday. All right? Why, even if it was, why would I give a rat's ass? Okay? If the load says it's going to pay me this, and I haul the load, and I deliver it, and I get paid that, do I care if it was triple broker? I couldn't care less. How would I even know? Right. Who is harmed? Now, if I take a load, and I get paid half of what that's said, that's a different story. But that's never happened to me. Okay? And so, uh, and if it happens to you, Lancer, you have avenues to appeal that if it were to happen. Now, look, does double brokering happen? It does. And the reason why I know that is because sometimes we'll book a load with a broker, not an agent, an outside broker, and they'll make us send them a photograph of the driver and the truck that's going to pick that load up. Because that load has to be hauled by a Landstar truck. Okay? That's That's how you know it's not double brokered. So anyway, I, that, that, that affects nobody at Landstar, okay? I mean, yeah, there's going to be loads that you call on, and they're going to answer the phone and go, we don't use Landstar. Well, that's not necessarily for co-brokering or, or, or double brokering. That's because a BCO pissed in a parking lot, okay? That's why that is. We're not going to work with Landstar because your, your drivers act like assholes, all right? That happens a lot more than the agent having a problem. Um, I read a thing about that today. An agent said that very thing today on one of the Facebook groups. Look, BCOs cost us freight because of the way they act. Yep. You're the face. Who Do you think, let's, let's just 
think about this for a second. If a shipper or receiver has a bad experience with Landstar, who's the face? Is it the agent sitting in Virginia or Uzbekistan? Or is it you, Mr. and Mrs. BCO? Who's the face of the problem? <clears throat> it ain't the agent. Well, and it's part of what we teach here. You know, good communication, courteous, professional. And that's why, that, that's, that's, that's our secret handshake. That's the freight that we have that nobody knows. Okay? That, you know, so there was a post this the other day. Uh, what phone carrier should I switch my cell phone to? Because every time I call on a load, it's already gone. It's only been on there five seconds. It must be the, my phone carrier. No, that's not what it is. Okay? It's not your phone carrier. I wish I, I'm, I, I swear I should come up with some type of a secret word, password, something that I could go on and sell these BCOs. And then when they open it up, it says, just work harder, motherfucker. <laughs> just do, just treat people the way they want to be treated. Just act like you're the customer. Okay. How would you like to be treated? Oh, shit. That's all there is to it. Yeah. In this example of, of all this double and triple brokering, I mean, it, it, there's number one, y'all, the, the, the average trucking margin is like two or 3%. This idea that there's these giant margins between the shipper and the carrier, um, just a, number one, that, that does not exist. All right. The margins are very, very, very thin in trucking. Uh, but at the end of the day, like he said, if it ain't wrote down, it didn't happen. You give me a rate that meets my minimum qualification and you pay me that rate. I don't care if you're screwing the customer. I know you're not going to be screwing them very long because they're going to figure it out. Uh, oh, what was this? Uh, so Joe racer, you mean to tell me shippers have accountants and bean counters preposterous. Of course they do. They're managing every, I mean, my God, especially in an environment like this, when every, the cost of everything has shot through the roof and you've got runaway inflation, you think that they're not checking and making sure that the broker is getting them the best deal possible. But you can't, you refuse to put yourself in the position of the person writing the check. It wouldn't, it wouldn't matter if you were going to Walmart, the grocery store, the barber. If anybody that was a service provider treated you as a consumer the way you treat people as a truck driver, you wouldn't stand for it. You'd be mad as hell. But, you know, they just so, keep. So here, here's, another, here's another gripe I've got this week, okay? Um, you know, we get, we get a lot of people who defend having their own authority and criticize us for being at Landstar. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. <clears throat> you don't know how, you don't know how to run a real truck business. But okay. let, me, let me, when, when have we ever criticized somebody that had their own authority? We have advised Never. people not to do it. Right. Okay. But we've always said, if you've got your own authority and you're doing things right and you, and it's, and it's working for you, by all means, we say, congratulations. You're doing you have my admiration and my respect. 
But yet everybody who has their own authority wants to try to condemn us for being at Landstar. You must not be able to manage your truck if you have to be at Landstar. We, somebody literally said that on one of the replies today on TikTok. Yep. Um, why, why would you, why are you giving Landstar 35%? You know, it, it's this, this thing about double brokering. It's just a way of rationalizing to yourself why you don't want to be at Landstar. Rather than face the real numbers, the math and doing the math and understanding that there could be a value to being here. Let me just go, well, they double broke, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like the sour grapes thing. Okay. Well, I don't want them because they're not any good. Well, wait a minute. What if it, what if it was the right thing to do? What if we, you could take the BSE 9,000 and you could look at all the things it costs you to be have your own authority and how much it would cost you to do it at Landstar. And yet, even with the 35%, you still would have made more money. There's something that's happened this week on my Facebook feed because every other thing I get, I'm looking at one right now, start your trucking business. Okay. I must have 25 of them on my feed right now from different places. And all of them are the same thing. Okay. Get in the, 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 the $374 billion trucking industry, you know, da, 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 the, you know, and, and so I, I, I listen, I bit, I bit, I clicked on a couple of the learn mores. Okay. That's how they get you. And, and I looked at, uh, I looked at the uh, three different profit and loss statements from three different of these opportunities. And they just so all happened to be June, 20, 2022. Um, PLs. Now I don't know what's significant about June, because fuel had already gone up by then. Okay, mm-hmm. fuel was five seventy five in June. All right, but for some reason they've picked that. Maybe that's the last one they have. I don't know the answer to that. But my God, if you really think that now's the time to, as an investor, get in this business and go buy a twenty fifteen to twenty eighteen truck at this market. And put it to work, okay, in this market. I mean, these people ought to be put in jail. You know, I, I don't I don't understand. And yet I look over here and there's 191 comments. And I look down through there and all, like every other one is interested, 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 interested. How do I get more? DM this, DM that. I, I, seriously, you've got that many people who are interested in investing in the trucking industry? When it we're probably in the worst year of it's ever going to be in history. Yeah, it's stupid. It's it's and it's it. You know, what's funny, interesting. At Blue Ribbon, if you come to the program, you get paid one hundred percent of the time. But Larry doesn't. And the truck owner doesn't, but the driver is paid regardless, right off the top. Driver gets paid first. Um, we get paid if we manage well. In a scenario like he's talking about, and lease trucks, they're going to get paid. They're going to get their money, and you're not. And they don't care if you get paid or not. But if you're dumb enough to sign up for it, you know, that that's when I see the advocates that always want to fix everything. 
I, I feel like, well, well, maybe you'd be better off just educating people out of making these dumb decisions. And then the problem fixes itself. Cause if y'all stop signing up for this stuff, they would stop offering it, you know, but the reason that the phone call scam works and the Nigerian prince works, or the reason that they keep doing it is you because it works. You mean that's a scam? That Nigerian that is a scam. Yeah. Son of a bitch. I got a lot of money invested with him. <laughs> Dave Ramsey said something profound one time, years and years and years ago. And if he had said this in the world of social media, they'd burn his house down. But he said, you know why grandma got scammed? Is it because she's dumb? No. Is it because she's old? No, it's cause grandma was greedy and grandma thought she was going to get something for nothing. And that's how she got suckered. Mm -hmm. And I went, Oh wow. He just went all in on mama. <laughs> but when you think you're going to get something for nothing and you don't have to put any, well, you mean, I don't have to do anything. I can just know that the, the reason we tell this, we tell people this will be the hardest thing you've ever done. But in life, most really difficult things are worth doing if you do them correctly and if you manage risk and if you manage expenses. But this idea that you're just going to come into this retirement program at Landstar because now I don't have anybody telling me what to do. And if I want to go home, by God, I'll just go home. Okay, well, go ahead. But go ahead and get that bankruptcy attorney uh, retainer paid because you're going to need it. You know, I uh, heard somebody say this one time. I forget now who it was. Probably was Art Williams. But, um, you know, these get-rich-quick schemes, you know, where you somebody gets something for nothing. Every time that happens, somebody else gets nothing for something. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a zero-sum game, you know. So... Um, so Phil, Phil brought this up and I, listen, oh, dude, I've got it. I've got it in my bag. Landstar sent out their Christmas present this year. I've got it right here. You got it. Okay. Well, that's the cord for it, well, but, but that's the thing that most people can't find. Here's the crazy thing. Okay, they sent out this bean. Well, now last year, I think it was last year, they sent out a, like a trucker hat, like a, a ball cap that had a light built into it, but there was no way to charge or replace the battery. Like once it died, it died. So they bought this beanie. I wish I had it. I got anyway. It. I got it. Okay. Right so when this thing came in the box, all right, ridiculous when this thing came in the box i looked at it and my immediate thought was well i hope this one is at least rechargeable and so i looked at it and i turned it over and on the back of it was a charging cable and i went oh okay and the instructions on the back the written instructions on the back says to pop it out and plug it in. Y'all wouldn't believe how many people have gone into the comments on these Facebook groups and said, how do I charge? I'm thinking, read the instructions. Larry says it's a, it's an IQ test that they, that they've put out. Like Lane Star's it's got It's ingenious. It's, it's, listen, I, it's I brilliant. am impressed with it. 
because they have tested 11,000 BCOs and found out that about 10,500 of them can't freaking read. And the ones who can't get, they either can't read or can't comprehend one or the other. A simple, a simple task of taking this off of a cardboard box and on the back of it, finding this cord right here and instructions on how to freaking do it. Okay. And these are the people that are hauling your freight all over the country and having to solve problems like driving on ice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. All right. Well, listen, we're an hour 19 in and I've actually got to get up and work for a living tomorrow. So I'm going to run through and check a couple of comments, uh, answer a couple of questions. I wanted to hit, uh, Evan. So that, so to says, so there's a 29% go to Landstar and the agent. All right. Break this down. There's a total rate. Let's say it's $3,000. All right. The fuel is going to be broken out. Right now it's fuel 67 cents, I think. 64. 64. Okay. So whatever the loaded miles are times 0.64, that's broken out of the rate. That rate goes 100% to the truck. Everything that's left, line haul and or accessorials, like loading, unloading, stop, pay, hazmat, whatever they want to call it. The agent is paid off of line haul only. The truck is paid off of line haul only. And then if there are accessories like stop, pay, loading, unloading, whatever. But it's broken down. And then the contract that nobody reads, that they can't read, that they don't understand, is very clear about what the truck gets paid. But there's a total rate. And then it's broken down. And then the percentages are broken out from there. The the rough and dirty kind of thing is that when we look at our line haul percentage added to our fuel, we're getting about 71 and a half, 72% of the total rate. So that's how that goes. Um, but yes, the, the 29% is the, the agent is getting 7% of that, 7 to 8% of that. The trailer is getting 7% of that. So then you bring that down. That's now 15%. Okay, and then Landstar is doing all the things that they do. We've we've itemized this, okay, but mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's the breakdown. It includes what the agent gets paid, and it also includes the use of the trailer pool. So, Cookie yeah. says, "Kill them with niceness." I prefer a pistol. Um, uh, the secret code is liking and subscribing. I like that a lot. Um, good evening. I wanted to know how Landstar fuel card works. They hand it to you. We get the discounts when, let's say, you know, you have to load your fuel card at Landstar, right? It's like a debit card, not a credit card. So when you get dispatched load, you advance fuel from the load onto the card. So let's say you got a thousand bucks on your card. And like today, I went to the TA in Hurricane and I filled up and the retail price was five something and the discounted rate was three something. Well, they're going to pull off the retail and then kind of put it back and they're only removing from your fuel card what the actual cost of the fuel was. So, and that happens every single time you get fuel. Once a week, you'll get a card activity statement. Uh, again, that nobody reads. Uh, he does. 
Um, and then you can go through and reconcile and make sure that everything matched the way it, it was supposed to match. But that's the basics of the fuel card. It's a debit card, not a credit card. And you control it yourself. You load it, you spend it, you unload it. And that's all there is to it. But it's connected to com data, and it you have the opportunity to shop around and buy and get the best price based on you know the Landstar discount and the uh, IFTA situation in the state that you happen to be in. So, uh, Hummingbird, can a driver move from drive-in to platform as needed? Yeah, yeah, uh, you have to be. You have to be qualified for platform. So if you don't have any platform experience, you have to go to a class and you start at the bottom and work your way up. If you have flatboard uh, platform experience, they'll give you a rating when you come in and then you just have to uh, keep that up, maintain that. Uh, but yeah, you can drop a van and hook to a flatbed or if you, you could own a van and own a flatbed and own a stretch RGN and you could switch back and forth all you wanted to. If you're using Landstar trailers and you switch back and forth, however, you have to understand something. You're going to sacrifice the van. And right now there's like a five month wait for a platform. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're just going to go back and forth and do it unless you have the equipment on your own. <clears throat> uh, David, I see your comment. I'll send you an email about that. Um, yeah. And you could, I mean, listen, you could keep $10,000 in the fuel card if you want to. I don't know why you would, but you know, it just, it's your, it's, built it's, up. it's your card. It's your money. money. Now here's the one thing about that. Okay. Um, if your truck goes on hold for an extended period of time, that card is going to end up getting locked. So you don't always have access to that money. That's why we clear ours out every week. Um, Friday afternoon, Saturday, I typically clear all our cards out, get them, get that money in my bank, and then we reload the cards again on Monday morning. So I just I like having my money in my control, um, but um, people do it differently. Um, that's how I do it. So when you have as many trucks as we have, it doesn't take long to get a significant amount of money built up on there, and I, I prefer that money to be in my bank where I have hundred percent control of it. That's why I don't let Landstar do my maintenance account. They have a voluntary maintenance account program, but then I got to mm -hmm. call them to use my money. Okay. I can, I can put my maintenance account in my bank. I don't have to call anybody to use my money. Okay. Right. So, but if you can't save money and you have to have somebody save it for you, if you overpay the IRS every year, so you'll get a refund, then I understand that, you know, um, but hopefully one of these days you'll grow up. And you won't have to do that anymore. So, Right. All right, y'all. Like I said, I got to get up and actually work for a living tomorrow. So I'm going to shut this down. Um, if you uh, – we, we do have potentially a couple of trucks coming available. So if you are interested, you can go to drive the number 4 blueribboncom fill out the form on our website, and um, we will uh, get in touch with you. And um, – we, we have some spots open in mentoring as well. So if you are a BCO and you're struggling, we prefer you not come to us when you're circling the drain. So come to us now before it gets that bad. Uh, but we can help with dispatch and different things. Um, so that's all I got. You got anything else? Nope. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to try right. 
I'm going to try to get uh, the, over those last little hump of this damn COVID and uh, get back to normal this week. So since you're going to be on the road, I might actually have to work some this week. So You will. You will. I don't like that. I don't like All that. right. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. All right. We'll see y'all next time. All right. Good night, everybody.